Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and let's get started. We are back with Chip Chilson, legendary cycling and ski coach from Aspen, Colorado. And uh, I asked Chip to come back because I wanted him to tell us the story of how uh, there's a lot of lessons packed into specific examples. And there's one specific example that was a real highlight for me to hear about. And uh, I think you'll learn a lot from it, too. And so, Chip, welcome back. Larry, thank you for having me back. It's uh, my pleasure. One of the things uh, that I just think is a lifetime achievement for a couple of our friends, uh, Mark and Todd, we, we, we'll just call them Mark and Todd for now, but uh, getting while you coach them up to do the Leadville 100 and Todd, we talked a little bit about it the first episode, and that was he had, uh, well, I'll let you tell the story about Todd, and then we'll bring Mark into it later, but there's just a lot of lessons about this, but the end result, I'll tell you the end of the story is both of them finished the Leadville 100, and that is 100 miles through some of the steepest mountains, most rugged terrain, and uh I don't know how long it took them to uh, finish, but I mean, it's like a huge lifetime achievement to just finish this race one time. And uh, so talk about how that, how that uh, happened. Well, it goes back to uh, a foundation that I started working for and a masterful athlete, a uh, world champion and Olympic uh, bronze medalist, Chris Klug uh, asked me to come on board. He is a real passionate passionate about doing the Leadville 100. It's a, as you said, it's a real hard man's event. It's 103 miles actually starting in the uh, world famous Leadville, Colorado, 10,500 feet. And the whole race is basically from 10,000 feet all the way up to 12,500 out and back to the, mo- the mountains and passes. Uh, that's how I got started with uh, these two individuals you're talking about. They had, uh, they came on to the Chris Klug Foundation, which is an organ donation foundation for uh, people that need an organ. And uh, they had family members that uh, uh, got them interested in, uh, you know, Leadville 100 and raising money for that. So uh, grateful to Chris Klug and all the people I met down the road. But uh, Todd and Mark were both uh, really special interest stories for that event. And, and then, uh, so... At some point, Todd uh, is involved in the organ donor program. He gets, uh, he comes to uh, Aspen, gets involved in cycling, and he decides he wants to get in this uh, Leadville 100. I didn't know Chris was a, I didn't know Chris was big in the Leadville 100. I knew yeah, he was. Chris a, I knew he was a snow snowboarder and had the kidney uh, transplant, and you know he's got a miraculous story. And I'm going to interview him as soon as I can. Uh, he and I can kind of chase each other down. But anyway, I didn't know he was big in the Leadville 100. But talk about, uh, so Todd decides he's going to get in the Leadville 100. You have to have something kind of captures your imagination. And that's where the story really, really started for Todd, didn't it? Absolutely. You know, Chris Kluge started the organ donor uh, foundation via, you know, he got a quick story. He had his organ prior to the 2002 Olympics. Uh, healed from that, went on to win an Olympic bronze medal, started started his foundation. Uh, 
uh, many people saw the Oregon Donation Foundation. Chris got, Chris is a phenomenal athlete, uh, you know, world-class, obviously he's an Olympian, loves biking, you know, outdoor activities. And, uh, he's, uh, you know, you know, semi-pro mountain biker in his own right. Phenomenal. Uh, I didn't know that. Strong. And, uh, anyway, uh, he's passionate about Leadville and, uh, people that want to get on board and raise money for, uh, the Chris Kalug Foundation and Oregon donation. Todd Rarep was one of them. Uh, he came on board uh, living in Chicago, uh, started training for the event. Um, you know, definitely a uh, typical Chicago businessman with, uh, you know, very smart, big goals. Uh, the first year was a definite struggle because he's trying to train from Chicago. Uh, you know, he came out to a couple of our Leadville camps. Almost made it the first year, but not quite. Got, didn't make the cutoff time the second year. Uh, he came back and uh, was almost there again. Uh, didn't quite make it. What's the he cutoff time? Ended up what's, what's the cutoff time now? I think the cutoff time at one of the checkpoints is uh, right at about uh, seven hours. You, you get a medal, you get a belt buckle if you come in under the 12 hour mark, but if you don't make the cutoff times then they'll pull you from the race, uh, cause they don't want you to come in after dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Logistics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Todd came, you know, it actually starts in the dark at, uh, about six o'clock, six thirty in the morning. And, uh, third year Todd comes back. Uh, he had moved to Colorado with his family realizing that, you know, he definitely wanted to pursue a much healthier way of life he was able to run his business from his home in colorado the third year was a was a winner it was a game changer for him he finished the leadville 100 and came in well under 12 hours and got his belt buckle and uh that was the year he was out here training with uh with you the more full-time right he moved he went right into it full bore he uh was very passionate about that that uh, event it's a bucket list event very few people can finish it um <clears throat> he jumped on board you know moved it moved out here again uh full-time bought a home out here i uh, was able to run his chicago business from his home and we trained uh heavily for a strong six-month period before the event uh you know Leadville's just obviously on the other side of the hill from aspen we were over there every 10 days riding pre-riding he dove right into it, and he did a massive. Well, of course, of course, you couldn't go year. You know, you're in the winter. You're on the, uh, you know, you're inside on the uh, the cycling machines. But uh, you know, you you can't get out on the hill until the snow stops. <laughs> but you're still warming up. You're still training. And uh, Mark came along. Mark lives out here. Uh, he was already out here. He'd been. He's been an athlete. But he had never a uh, World Cup skier, but he had never uh, competed and really probably never thought about the uh, Leadville 100. And you got him uh, caught up in it. He decided he wanted to be a part of it. So y'all trained together as uh, or they trained together, as I understand it. That's that's true. I mean, the three of us actually ended up training together uh, on many occasions, you know, specifically going to Leadville, which is just you know, a 40 minute drive from Aspen going over the pass, getting on course and riding every single bit of the 103 miles 
and riding and pre-riding and riding over and over all the climbs, all the descents. Mark and Todd were a, a great story of, you know, commitment, dedication, desire to get that buckle, and they they did a great job. And talk about having the buddy system. I feel like uh, having both of them as uh, being able to train together a lot rather than just themselves with you as the coach, but having a little peer pressure that they put on each other, I felt like that had something to do with uh, both of them finishing too. Absolutely. Great friends, you know, uh, like any sport, you know, going out and playing with your friend, friend in any sport, uh, you know, a buddy in the weight room, in this case, two great cyclists that they, they became, uh, they pushed each other. And when it came to race, race day, it's like, you know, think about it. You get on a bike, you really want to have some fun. You want to, you want to see if you can beat your buddy. And those guys worked hard on uh, the outcome was extremely good and positive on both sides. They both finished well and both got their uh, buckles. It was, uh, it was a great day for both of them. And talk about uh, Mark's accident, though. Where Mark comes into the story is uh, – <laughs> Ordinarily, he would just, you know, just be an average story of the guy trained hard and he went and completed the race. But uh, things don't always work out that way. What? Tell him the story of, of Mark. You know, here again, Mark's an exceptional uh, athlete. I mean, he is uh, definitely a renaissance man. And his story is pretty amazing. But, you know, former World Cup skier, great athlete, great biker. Just makes sense. Um, he trained extremely hard. Uh, we actually started way back in the wintertime in January, both indoors and outdoors, you know, going down to Moab, Utah in February and finding warmer temperatures. You know, I did a lot of racing in between, a lot of periodization, worked hard. Ten days before the event, he's doing his final little short mountain bike race, and he goes over the handlebars and does a third-degree separation on his shoulder. It was like, okay, well, you know, if you look at possibilities there, I mean, a lot of the tour guys, a lot of the big racers, they, they tape it up, uh, get a little injection and get after it. And I told Mark, you know, we've come too far. Let's just kind of moderate it day by day. Long story short, he lines up with the Leadville 100 and he finished it well under time to get his buckle. I mean, with a third degree separation. It was an amazing day. Amazing day. It's interesting to hear you tell the story and then hear him tell the story because as he tells the story, when the accident happened, in his mind, it's over. You know, I'm done. Uh, I, it's going to take forever to recover from this. And he's sitting in, in, the, uh, in intense pain in the hospital. And in comes <laughs> Chip. And right. Chip says, okay, take the rest of the day off. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know a, when you look at a world-class athlete like that um and it, it is good to look back and have a little bit of a laugh but you know with great respect um you know uh, you know it wasn't a full-on tear uh but he was, thought it was and there's another lesson yeah, what, what, there's another lesson there chip though that when tragedy, tragic things happen and you're working, you know, you busted your gut. At this point, you guys have been uncounted times up to this 100-mile race. Like you say, 
you know, you've, you've been up and down it, you've scoped it out, you scouted it, you practice this, that, and the other. Then right before, uh, a little over a week out, he tears that shoulder, goes over the handlebars, and his mind is hopeless. But you, that's the value of a coach who can keep perspective and say, okay, you know, don't worry about it today. But then you brought him around like tomorrow. You said, what What did you say? Tomorrow? What, what kind of, how did you get him back? Get him back? Because well, I mean, you had to convince, you had to convince him, Chip, that he could do it. It was not a matter of just telling him what to do. You had to get him back believing he could make it happen again. And so talk about how you talked him through that. Part of it, Larry, was the luck of growing up with Mark. I mean, we grew up as kids in the ski club. I knew his talents. Um, he raced at the highest level in the world in alpine ski racing on the World Cup. He also had some unbelievable injuries, you know, where he had knee re knee replacement, knee scopes. He was a product of Dr. Richard Stenman, the knee surgeon. Uh, he knows pain. Uh, this did not require surgery. So it was just, hey, Mark, let's take a step back for the next couple of days. Let's see if we can get a cortisone shot in this thing and let's regroup. And it worked. He knows how to handle pain. He knows how to manage pain. We got, got everything managed well. And he was able to line up. And his talent on the bike was a big part of it, too, knowing how to ride smoothly and uh, getting his shoulder uh, wrapped properly. It was a no brainer. You know, it well, just, it was a uh, no brainer. It was a no-brainer for you, but it was a big-brainer for him because even in spite of all that, that was pain in the past. There's something about pain. When you have an accident or you have pain, something goes wrong. Uh, it's like, forget all the pain in the past. This hurts. This is killing me. <laughs> I'm dying over here. You know. It was my job. It was, that's a good point. And Will said, I mean, it was my job to get him out of the pain cave. You know, so we worked with the therapist. We worked with the doctor to get the uh, – you know, pain relief through cortisone shots and, and a pop, proper taping of the shoulder, and it worked. So when he lined up that day, he was in minimal pain to no pain. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the his athletic prowess and his ability to hand, handle pain as a world-class athlete all his life, uh, you know, basically he's not in the air racing at 70 miles an hour down a ski slope. He's got his tires on the ground. So he knew how, he knew how to manage the race. He did quite well, so it was his man of Mark believing in himself as well. And how would you say getting that phrase you tossed off there, getting out of the pain cave? How do you uh, feel like that applies in life? Because that's just something you got to deal with all the time, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, we all have our stuff, so to speak. Right? We all live with, uh, you know, having to manage our lives. Uh, it's a roller coaster, ups and downs. Uh, you know, personal pain, physical pain, psychological pain. And it's a matter of addressing it, knowing uh, how to turn it off and, uh, you know, come up with a sunny side up attitude. But if that, that takes, that's a whole nother discussion in terms of uh, the psychological aspect. But yeah, I mean, you, me, all of us, we deal with a certain amount of it, but uh, it's, it's a matter of understanding we all all have great qualities and to bring them out of every individual that's that's not hard to do really if, if you if you've been on the coaching side of it it's, it's recognizing that and giving them the opportunity to be their best self every day but isn't that wouldn't you say that that's the key 
that's the main thing as a coach that it goes it seems like the fundamentals and the techniques and working out the schedules and things like that can be pretty much uh, pretty easy because you've done it so many times. There's only so many options. But dealing with people psychologically, getting them to stay on track and not get sidetracked or get depressed uh, because of pain or anything going on, emotional things in their life, don't you feel like that's one of the biggest things that you bring to the table in terms of helping people finish the things they start? That's what I really enjoy. It's getting to know them on a one-to-one basis. You know, what, uh, you know, again, it's like a prescription from a doctor. You come in and you sit down with the doctor. He analyzes you, does his testing. And I do the same thing. It's getting to know them on a one-to-one basis, a friendship basis, uh, looking at their life, understanding what they do. You know, family first is always my saying, you know, understanding, you know, make sure you get, get on board with your family in terms of what you're doing to, to, to uh, stay healthy. And uh, that's where the exciting part is, is to kind of take it a little bit out of the athletic side, the fitness side, and understanding what makes them tick as an individual, and then being able to plug in, you know, a good program that makes sense for them that's going to be fun and enjoyable. Yeah, and that's what, that's what you're so good at, at seeing the good in people and reinforcing that and reminding them and – you know, you're a great appreciator of people, and that allows you to treat them differently. And I have to feel like some of those skills paid off with you, you know, right, like you talk about the family, ra- raising the three, your, your three uh, adult children now, uh, all of them completely different, but all of them uh, doing well, having their own families, uh, except their your youngest daughter and once co- she gets out of COVID prison, she's going to go take over the world. And uh, uh, you just got to feel like those those same techniques, it's the same way you deal with your family to help your, your, your kids, your close friends around you uh, reach their peak. Peak performance is not everybody's going to be a World Cup skier, but they can reach their peak in the areas that they have gifts for. And you're never going to find out what that is until you get to know them and spend some time with them. And so what would you, what do, what do you think about, uh, what would you tell, just top of my head, what do you think about scheduling, you know, and staying with the routine? And part of getting out of the pain cave and not giving in uh, to disasters is to stay on your schedule to stay on that uh uh workout schedule every day you've got certain things performance goals to hit how how do you uh keep people on track for that and 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 how important is that well the way i keep people on track i think the most important is is you got to be creative you got to make it fun it's not fun you don't want to do it Uh, two you got to make it exciting too it's got to be a part of their day you know that they're going to be everybody's got a job everybody works hard they've got uh, you know, classic nine to five, then they have family. Uh, but, you know, they want to plug into that missing element. And that's, you know, just good health and fitness. So it's analyzing their day, coming up with a, uh, a schedule, as you said. And, you know, that time that works well for 
worked well into their day, you know, between their family and their work schedule and take that short amount of time and, and make it worthwhile for them. That's when they can get excited. And in terms of keeping the excitement up until they get the job done to make a breakthrough, I know you had all of these kind of techniques you would use as I was uh, dead on my feet, you know, trying to uh, make it up to uh, the top of Maroon Bells. And I'd be just about ready to quit. And you would say, uh, okay, take a sip of water or take three long sips of water. You know, you'd have the thing to get my mind off of the pain, you know. And then you'd say, <laughs> or you'd say, uh, get out the, uh, uh, whatever that, uh, those little bars are, those little uh, goos, and, uh, you know, get some food in you, you know. And, or you'd say, oh, look, uh, look, look up. Look at those uh, trees over there. Look at those leaves. Aren't we the luckiest people in the world? Look at that view. You know, you you took you would do things to shift my mind off of uh, the pain of the process of doing it, of developing the strength to be able to do it. And when you said that Mark was familiar with pain and you know pushing himself because he'd been a world class athlete before uh, in skiing. That's part of peak performance is dealing with pain or dealing with the pain of doing breakthroughs uh, while you're developing skill, uh, you know, your lungs, your aerobic capacity, your strength, uh, developing that mental toughness. Uh, a lot of that has to do with just getting through the next moment. You know, forget about the rest of the race. Just stay on track, get through the next day, shift your mind, you know, break that that uh, obsession with the frustration you're going through right now and say, you know, shift your perspective. So uh, explain that. Well, you know, I think specifically with you and or Mark, I mean, uh, two similar athletes in some ways. I mean, you guys are very determined. Uh, you know, and a quick recollection, recollection there, Larry, with you is, you know, we started out slow. We did not go for the gusto. It took many, many months to start biking at altitude, biking up to the Maroon Bells, biking up the pass. But you took the time and the effort out of your day to really work closely on the guided program, you know, so baby steps, small steps up the ladder. With a guy like Mark, um, and you achieved your goals. I mean, that, that was pretty amazing. Uh, less people... No, let's be known to the people out there. You know, Larry Wydell and I went to Moab, Utah. We trained down there. You put in the time, uh, you know, in the desert environment to log in big miles. Then we came back up to altitude and you kept working away. But it, it, we took time. We kept it fun. And we worked up the ladder. And that way, that way you were able to actually achieve your goals with a guy like Mark, who's, you know, a world-class athlete who's worked at the highest level. Um it's a little bit easier in some ways because they know pain, deep, hard pain from crashing and falling at 70 miles an hour in the World Cup and how to translate that into something like cycling and how to manage it. So his pain experience is pretty doggone high, not to discount you, because I know you've known plenty of, plenty of pain in your lifetime. But, uh, you know, you guys are exceptional in terms of, uh, you know, you have a good amount of high athleticism. You've, you've been – a process a workout process the entire life so you know how to manage the pain and that makes it easier for me as a coach 
What would you say about learning to deal with pain for people who've maybe been in the comfortable lifestyle for quite a long time, but they, they know they're capable of more. They really want to break out. They want to get maybe break out in their business. They want to break out in, you know, physically, they just want to get out and start doing some more stuff. And you're going to have to go through some stages of where things are not that comfortable as you're developing, uh, you know, these new strengths and skills and things like that. What would you tell them about getting through pain or getting through those points where you just, to keep yourself from being overwhelmed to where you quit? I think two words come to mind, Larry, and that's embrace it. Uh, but intelligently, I think uh, uh, no pain, no gain, all those life lifelong adages we all hear, but you know, coming at low levels, uh, you want to minimize the pain early on. Pain only comes in, if you want to call it pain, or I call it fun. The fun starts when you're adding intensity and intervals into any kind of a program. Um, it's really not that hard to recognize it and manage it and know when to add it or back it off. But just embrace the process. It's fun. Uh, a little bit of pain, a little bit of sweat. Uh, goes a long way in terms of becoming a much stronger, much more viable person and athlete, just like you. And I think, Chip, you put the, your finger right on the difference between people who are successful uh, in in these things and others. If they're more focused on the fun of it and the reward of it uh, than you know, what they've got to do to get there, but also they don't drive themselves insane trying to hit some arbitrary uh, standard of comparing them to other people. They just get in and start enjoying it. And, you know, you have to push yourself a little bit, you know, to even get out of bed in the morning, but you just keep your mind, keep yourself focused on the fun of it. And it is fun to compete. And it is fun to get in better shape. And it is fun to be able to make it to the top of the hill uh, when you never thought you could. And, you know, win races, break records, things like that. And what are some of the things that, some of the fun things, that adventures that you've had through cycling? Because you can look at cycling and say, well, it's just riding a bike around. But you've been able to, you know, you know, there's all kind of things people do in cycling. They have these races across America. They have local races, you know, 10K, 50K, 100K. They've got race, you know, race for the cure. Uh, talk about some of the, and you've been to training in Italy. What, what are some of the things that the great benefits that you've had from your life that you would look back on and say these were highlights? Well, I think the thing about cycling, you know, as, as we all become aging athletes and maybe you can't quite run or walk as you used to, I mean, you know, sitting in a saddle is uh, much easier, number one. Uh, you know, where they say it's about as close as we can come to be to fly on our own. You know, I get a little wind in your face, a little fresh air, and you can cover so much more ground and so much more beauty. Obviously, here in Colorado, we're so fortunate to – have the entire high country at our disposal, whether we're in the lower valley on the bike path or you want to venture up up one of the valleys. You know, cycling in itself or hiking 
uh, trail hiking, uh, it just offers so much in terms of uh, beauty. Uh, that's the first thing I think about, you know, and, and in order to step up the ladder and see more and more of the beauty, if you want to do, you know, a little one mile ride or five mile, or as you say, get into designated uh, goal events, you know, it takes a little time, but the beauty is what the beauty of the sport and what you can see in your surroundings is what is what makes it so viable. Anyway, Chip, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to kind of give your some insights on coaching and really high level coaching is not so much a lot of technical stuff, but just getting to know people and helping them stay on track and uh, keep moving forward and helping them keep perspective when they go through uh, situations that are a little tough for them. So they stay on track and they're able to uh, get where they want to go. So anything that you want to add to wrap this up before we finish? Uh, you know, I think, yeah, the most part of this is have a positive outlook. Uh, keep a positive mind on your day-to-day -day life uh, in terms of, you know, trying to add a little bit of fun and fitness in there will make you much more productive in every, every way from business, especially family, and then, you know, in your own personal health. So that, that's how I would uh, take a strong look at my approach to every day. It allows you to stay strong. And when you're strong, you're in your best position to be able to, uh, you know, to face whatever life throws you in a given day. And also, when good things happen, to be able to take the biggest advantage of it, too. So anyway, Chip, thanks so much. A lot of great insights. And uh, I'll look forward uh, seeing you around town soon. <laughs> Larry, thanks again. I mean, it's definitely Wydella I'm winning. There's nothing like feeling good about yourself every day in terms of, you know, starting out with, a, with some positivity and a good program. So thank you for all the wisdom that you've given me and direction with my business. And if people want to reach you, uh, they would go to your reps website or how would they go? How would they reach you? Uh, they can go to astronsportsperformance.com. Um, pull up my email and my address or go to chip underscore chilson at msn.com or call me directly at uh, 970-948-1212. Love to talk to anybody at any time. All right. Thanks so much, Chip. And uh, thank you for the great uh, coaching you've given me over the years. So thank you. It's been an incredible pleasure and we're not done. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind with me, Larry Wydell. If I've helped you in any way, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For more information like this, listen to our other Million Dollar Mastermind episodes and check out my Wydell Academy YouTube channel and visit us on WydellOnWinning.com. I'm the Million Dollar Mastermind, and until next time, go, go, go.